0: So, anyway, the podcast is starting now. So, uh, gentlemen, we have uh, a, a conversation today that I want to get out of the way very quickly. We were just mentioning it just before. Uh, just because the terminology no dramas was used in that Jackson article <laughs> does not mean that I uh, can't it, believe it was you me. approached
1: a journalist like that. I can't believe you've gone out of school in this way.
0: All right. So, I just want to make it very clear to everybody that I am not involved in this incident whatsoever uh, in any way, shape, or form. I go to bed uh you know I, I'm, I'm not awake for any of these incidents I'm, I'm 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 the grandpa i wasn't there so uh that's that's fun okay we, we, we're all good with that we understand no am i is no dramas exclusively mine from here on out in esports am i the only one who's allowed to say no dramas i, I thought I you think were
1: according according to reddit yes according okay. to reddit it's not yours it's been trademarked
0: i thought it already was uh, I don't know look uh i mean
1: if it was if it was actually chad the article would have read something like and then config got into some argy bargy with uh with and then of the Daniel, this team. this
2: bloody can't <laughs> yeah the, 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 the profanity
0: use i don't yes. know um uh, so yeah i just want to let everybody know that no and there's the thing is when i saw my name coming up with the no dramas thing i'm like okay fine i can see how maybe they're making that connection i was working at that event that's that's all right but when it starts to get to like, it gets in these like moral murky waters where people are acting like, you know, anyway, I could go on for a while about this, but I kind of just wanted to address it as the top, at the top even, uh, to to deal with it. But there was one message I wanted to read. And I thought that this one... um I thought that this one, you know, sums me up quite nicely. This one read, uh, I bet the fight was with someone like Sponge. He seems like a narcissist to me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was on TV. They didn't make it to Reddit. Um, it, the stuff on Reddit was quite humorous. Someone said something about uh, the fact that I, I beat Titan uh, 69 at Cologne in 2015 yeah uh, and it, w- it went on you know they said not only that he top fragged the game with 27 kills and 1.65 rating uh, the og fragging in-game leader a sponge walk so fallen could run a sponge invented
2: in-game leading so you know the internet can be funny uh, i mean the top comments were funny to me petition to have his name changed to conflict and then the second <laughs> yeah. one or convict <laughs> it's like but i think either. but i think akon has that one trademark so yeah oh dear yeah, oh. I
1: think uh, HLTV tends to get a little bit more aggressive in the, yeah. uh, the comments. <laughs> it's like that's you are going there if like you're angry and you're going to the gym afterwards and you want to get you want to feel something real personal, dig deep into your ribs. That's you got HLTV for that.
0: There is a bit of that vibe, right? That, that I can see that. I can see that for sure. But look, uh, reading this stuff again today, and I understand we we talked about this stuff previously, so it makes sense if we want to keep talking about it now. But talking about this shit is kind of just like. I, this sounds like so hippy dippy um but it's like it's it's killing my vibe a bit gents i you know i don't we every time we come together i don't want to sit here
2: just fucking bitching and but, moaning about this nonsense i feel like i have to say something <laughs> because here we go i mean i was i wasn't there for the actual thing i was close by so i was you know a, a part of like first kind on of, the scene kind of breaking things up you know and then sending people away and you know, so it didn't really feel like all that much. To me, the, the whole thing, like at that particular scenario in Cologne, felt like blown out of proportion. In my opinion, there was no need to get the police involved. You know, I, I feel like we've had those things like that happen before, you know, at events that just weren't really made public and people didn't know about it. And it was fine. Like, you know, it's just that was like RG you know. that It wasn't like the Malta situation where, you know, he was obviously... Seriously um, injured. It was injured. more, more pushing and shoving and whatnot, and so on. It was again still unnecessary, and it was stupid. But you know, I feel like all of that, all the dramas, and this is me saying it, not Chad's punch. virtual <laughs> could have been, could have been avoided, right? So I, I for me, this is not really that. You know, obviously, still. I mean, as a player, you shouldn't get into those sort of situations and whatnot, right? You should know better. I still, I still think that. I still stand by that. But this wasn't really a massive sort of like fight or anything along those lines, right? It was just some drunk, unnecessary stupidity.
1: Yeah, yeah that that makes sense. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I mean, I I too was was sleeping during that time. But even hearing the stories, it was just like. This, this is a situation that felt like, or the, the one in Cologne was a situation where I think like four or five years ago, no one would have ever heard about because it, it wouldn't have been a big deal. And obviously, it's like the size of the game that's growing that, that makes yeah. it so. For me, I think at this point, I'm just like, <clears throat> whatever. Like, he's obviously made some horrible decisions. He's obviously a little bit of an idiot uh, getting into some of these, putting himself in these scenarios. But at this point, it feels anything I say like uh, is just like, is piling on him, you know, which which also feels unnecessary.
2: Yeah, that too. I mean, I, I I hope he, you know, cleans up his act a little bit and comes back, you know, refreshed and, and still is able to play on a high level. That would be an awesome, like, sort of comeback story, right? Redemption redemption story for config. So, it's now, it's there's nothing more. I agree, we should, like, definitely close this chapter uh, in the book of config and just, you know, see what happens in the future, whether, you know, he's able to, to deal with everything or, or not.
0: It's just it's just been like a slow slow like uh, drip of the information, right? So it's like it's yeah. this is dragged out over a long period of time, where it's still like the same end result, right? He's still no longer a part of Australis. He's still recovering from the injuries that he sustained. Um, none of that really changed. I think it's just the way that people perceive the situation. There was sympathy. There, you know, a lot of people flip flopping back and forth, uh, you know, between different angles of, of this situation. But the thing is, it's like this is what I was just saying. I, I don't want to come here like exclusively week in, week out with three three guys. I want to have a bit of a, a, a laugh and shoot the shit with an exclusively bitch and moan. And it's like, man, that's so draining. Just thinking about doing that. <laughs> like, uh, I, you, so- know,
1: you know what it is. It's like, I don't know if you notice this uh, with other like dramas. I think it's just the way that like the, the new world of like content and like YouTube is engaged. I've been thinking about this a lot. This might be a little bit theoretical, but. Um, it's like, it's no longer like the news about config com- comes and goes like all these like news articles and everything like that is like, is like fine. And it's one thing. But the problem starts when it when it starts when the drama starts becoming the content for all the various like people and creators also within the industry. So then you get like all the different. Um, well, I mean, you know, Richard Fairplay, uh, Richard can make content whatever he wants. Anyone can really, but you know, Richard's at least established in the scene. But when you start getting like the various like podcasters and starting getting the various YouTubers and starting the various social media people all like using it to pump their interaction because it's the big story. And then it just kind of coalesces into this like weird, like content storm that you can't really handle. That's when it gets stressful. Like, you know, the story's fine. And if it just lived its life cycle for a day and moved on, but then when you get like four YouTube videos popping up about it that are getting recommended to you and all the tweets and all the people trying to make a little bit of joke at the situation, you're just like, ah, it's so draining. Give me something else. Like Navi extended contract for three years with simple. That's great.
0: The thing is like it's it's not one of these situations where because at the end of the day, this is a form of entertainment. Unfortunately, it's like the big brother house on somebody's life and their misfortune, right? And maybe some people look at this as a lesson, maybe some people just look at this and go, Oh, the counter strike player got in trouble in this kind of situation, whatever, right? There's a lot of different ways. It's that's it's from um, it's from ah, I forget the saying. But anyway, it's to do with where you're standing, right? the, the angle that you're looking at these the the, the situation. Yeah. Um but at the end of the day, like, I want our entertainment to be, you know, more like if we have some villains, for example, let's look at the way that uh, I don't know. I guess Cadian's probably the best example of someone that's perceived pretty consistently as a villain, right? We obviously have the whole Hunden cheating scandal situation that's going on, but he's always been quite a vocal guy. Not everybody loves that type of a celebration. Seems like he has some beef with some certain players, but has a good work ethic. You know, he's a really lovely guy when we talk to him and stuff, right? But he's like a competitor that with everything that goes around the game and some people like that, some people really don't. And that's reflected in the fan base as well. You know, he's got some fans, but he's got some people that really don't like him. Um, you know, so he he's a he he plays the heel, I would say. We don't have too many like heels as we're looking at like actual entertainment in Counter Strike and more like the game, as opposed to something like this, which is it's stuff that's happened outside of the game but it's affected real life. It's like I don't know. It's it, it doesn't do anything to our game to be entertaining. It's yeah. just like around the outside. It's like window dressing. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, yeah, absolutely. I think villains are awesome. I mean, you go back, uh, for example, like Flasha and that Fnatic lineup, right? A lot of people consider them uh, to be the the villains there, right? So, I, I I think that's great because it allows you to build storylines, and it's so much cooler. Or for example was it that was say. was it fallen who said you know in copenhagen we're gonna make this place a library right even though yeah. fallen is probably Do we, well fallen has that sort of uh other persona the the best right? fallen right the, the, oh, yeah. he did no, it I at mean, that time yeah right. he at
1: least pulled it off when he talked the shit Good for so
2: him. so i i i think for some like stuff like that it's cool it's like great story, to, and as also with for people to realize like that's showmanship right and that's yeah part of also trying to maybe play with your opponent's head a little bit it's all part of the game right because i'm saying things like that in front of your crowd in your arena that doesn't mean after the game is over i'm not gonna shake your hand right Or i'm gonna you know say go fuck yourself or whatever like that's just being a dick that's just not that that's the opposite of sportsmanship and gamesmanship and understanding what it's all about right so yeah i think it's absolutely like awesome right as long as it's within you no know, boundaries as you say right yeah that people are well, getting like spat on <laughs> and shit?
0: oh no there's crazy stuff like that that starts to like intensify right that stuff's ridiculous i saw a video the other day i think it was football players like driving out of the stadium and their car was getting kicked by fans i'm like this is just fucking ridiculous i don't know what the football players did but i i would assume it's probably no reason to kick their fucking cars right anyway uh, talking about like the villain idea and, 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 and all of that, do you think that our game, like our form of entertainment, like every other form of entertainment needs some, like do people need to play those type of roles? Or do we just think like the natural personalities and counter strikes do the talking? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Because not everybody's the personality type to be something like this, but maybe maybe we need more of that to, to build um, more storylines outside of the already established ones because some storylines like beefs, like it's fun, with, you know, if you want to start talking about storylines with like players falling out or changing teams and that's what we try and do with some of these games when we talk about it. Like in the start when Astralis were taking on Vitality, when Dupree and uh, Magic made the change, that was a big deal, right? Like they're going up against their big team, their old yeah. team and we're trying to build you know, a bit of a a story there about that matchup. Is any of that even like relevant or is it more we should just focus on the the game and let that do the talking? Because the human element is the thing that sells to most people and then you get them interested in the details, the minutia, the technical. So like, I guess we do have a lot of, you know, I guess we do have a lot of uh, human stories when we think about it, right? Like uh, there there are a lot it just it just depends on how you build them and where you frame them from and to us looking at it every day maybe those stories aren't as exciting as, as they should be but we have some pretty cool ones
1: i think we could i think we can certainly do more i think like i think part of it is you know even even players will tell you like i think the the content side of things for like events has just become so stale and so similar event to event that those kind of personal angles don't really get um we don't really dive deep into them anymore. And I remember, like back in the good old days, you know, we'd we'd be we'd be down at like the bars having some drinks after the games, and the players would be down there too, like getting a little drunk and having dinner and having a few drinks with everyone um, before their games over the next days. And obviously, that doesn't happen anymore. So I think we kind of miss out on some of the old ways that we used to gather the information of of what kind of what level that personal beef is at. But it, but it shouldn't be a hard thing to find. I think like establishing someone as like an actual villain so to speak is is probably a difficult thing to do because I think outside circumstances like you know if you take the example of Cadian again if heroic wasn't embroiled in that giant cheating scandal I don't think we'd be talking about Cadian as a villain in any way I think he would be I guess more of I don't know like a like a like a, like a joker right he's like a chaotic anarchy uh, kind of kind of a personality versus any kind of like cruel or mean villain that you would you would really establish
2: well I think it's also for example if you're cheering for- For a team that heroic is playing against, and then you see him screaming his lungs out when they win a big round or something, he's definitely the villain for you. I mean, right? There's no doubt about it. But I agree with what what, with to Chad's point. Like, I don't think you can really force that on people and fake it. Like, look at Cloud 9's players, for example. Right? Like, everyone except Nafani is really quiet, and you know you can't paint someone. Like that, you know, Shiro, he's so... Exile, he's so sick on the server. He's a bully on the server. And then you try to do some sort of a, like, hype piece around him being a badass. He's just a dude who, you know, loves playing the game and he's sick at the game and that's it, right? And And you respect that and you create some different sort of content around him. But what I think we should be doing is building an environment in which the players are allowed to showcase the personalities that they have, right? Like giving them... Either tools or just simply enough, giving them space to, know, either come on the broadcast or have more open type uh, interviews, right? Where they can just talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about, showcase their personality. Example being someone like Campus, right? Every time we talk to him, it's a pretty awesome interview. Like we get good information and, you know, he's very honest in those. Yakinda is probably another good one. Right. And there's different examples of that. And I think the more you see that as a viewer or as another player and the more the players themselves interact with us as the talent who's asking them these questions and are participating in this sort of content, the more relaxed they're going to feel and we're going to have more players, you know, be open to something like that and also be open to showcasing their personality. Remember how many times we've had earlier a player either tweets something like before the game, we're going to crush these noobs today. And then, you know, it doesn't happen. And then they get so much hate and like, you know, from all sides, even sometimes, you know, from us as talent at the time, you know, whether it's on the desk or something, oh, you know, whatever, like, which wasn't great. But then how do you expect people to ever do it again? Like, uh, I mean,
1: ironically, the best example that is config and look how that's going for him. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so I I think under the right circumstance, like it can be a little bit maybe encouraged, right? And and we can see more of it. But I, I don't think that it's something you can just manufacture right out of thin air.
1: No, because I think, too, like, even think of, like, some of the other, like, if you want to go back to the, like, Fnatic and Flusha and JW as villains, like, back in the day, like, those motherfuckers almost quit. Like, they hated that attention. Like, you have to, like, really accept the fact and you have to really understand that you are going to be hated and disliked and targeted constantly by fans. Um, Otherwise, it just it just won't work because I I think that's kind of the problem. I think right now is with how intertwined uh, some of the players and the, the industry is to like social media and Instagram and YouTube comments and Twitter comments and Reddit threads or whatever it might be. I think the players are so closely tied into how they're being perceived by the community that nobody wants to be. That target. Nobody wants to have like the negative, you know. There image.
2: it is, Jason. I <laughs> found team. it. Yeah, but I, I, I will say this though. I, I don't want people to go on stage in a major semifinal. And say cheer for cheer for them as well, guys. Or made the best team win. It's like, come on, man! Like,
1: oh no, that's some pussy shit. You know, like, good
2: luck, No, so I, I never like when I was playing. I never wrote good luck. I always wrote have fun. Why would I wish you good luck? I wish you the worst luck. I wish you to have every bad timing. I, I only want. I hope myself. your mouse breaks. I, want, I hope your keyboard explodes. I want only my team to have the good luck because I want to beat you. I want to win, right? So definitely, like, I don't want any of that pussy around and like oh, yeah, let's all hold hands and fucking sing kumbaya together or whatever. Like, you're competitors. You're playing against each other, you're competing for the same thing, right? Like, off the server or whatever when you're not playing games. And, of course, you know, it's it's good to, to, to be friends or whatever. But, you know, when you're competing against each other, give me a, at least... Don't give me the same generic answers, right? And, like, oh, we're going to play whatever. Like, give me something. Obviously, you go into every game thinking there's a way to beat your opponent. Even if you're... I don't know, ecstatic, and you're playing against FaZe, you're coming into the match, you're preparing, and you're, you're thinking, okay, if these 10 things, and it has to be 10 things, one after the other, they all go our way in a perfect fashion, we can do this, right? And that almost never happens, and that's why we don't see upsets like that really happen. But, you know, with teams where it's more evenly matched, tell me some of the reasons why you think you're going to be... T- if you're, for example, you know heroic playing phase? Why do you think you will beat them? You know, they're the best team in the world, but you're not a bad team. So where do you think your advantages lie without obviously giving me the specific anti-strat and saying, oh yeah, we're going to focus on this guy and and do whatever, right? Just say something like, yeah, we think, uh, you know, maybe they're a bit overconfident at the moment and we feel like we can punish that. That's awesome. That's like a good good answer for me, man. Like, you know, I I don't want to be greedy and ask for more than that.
0: I feel like you're both got you're both like uh, like every, well there's not that anyone had to be wrong but I think that but like, you're both got, wrong <laughs> no two sides of the of, of the same coin here right in the sense that I think that Jason's is bang on that the community has intentionally or or not helped to mold the way that these players interact like if you look at how a lot of them tweet for example they'll just tweet during the Swiss stage and they will just tweet one zero two zero. 3 0, job done, going to the legend state, right? Like, and I'm not saying that they, they can't just tweet that, that's fine. But in terms of like the, having the personality that you're talking about, Yanko, and it doesn't have to be a bit of sass, but uh, like, and we can talk about this from personal experiences. I'm sure, Jason, when Liquid were going up against EG or another North American team, you know, there's like a joke being made, like, Naf's, Naf, you know, making a slime about, I don't know, some guy on the other team who's the B Yank. He's like, yeah, mate, watch me fucking bully this, cunt the whole game, right? Like, you're yeah. G each other up. You, you know you're talking a bit of, a bit of smack within yourself like you know oh, he's gonna be all like you AWP versus all battle you know like your has gone man, I'm gonna make this guy my fucking bitch this game you know you they're in the team you're talking each other up you're keeping the mood up you you, you know you're, you're not sending the team shit but that's the type of conversation that that's being had but that doesn't often get publicly expressed right and that's um, that's fair enough you know I understand that people don't want, want all of that out there but I think that there needs to be a middle ground and that's what takes me back to my question of, do we need, like, not necessarily a heel, but that type of personality in what we're doing? Or is it fine the way it is? Do we need the players to come along for this ride and bring that extra entertainment element like a Kerrigan would do? Or do we just, you know, this will just naturally progress and when we, we, we shouldn't force this. This isn't something we should manufacture, like, you know, Vince McMahon doing some WWE-type shit and telling Kane not to speak or The Undertaker or whatever the fuck it was so the, the monster seems scary. You know, you were I talking think- about cloud and I before. You tell them not to speak. Because we know we can't really talk to them on a on a whole massive scale. And then we could build some crazy story about them being this like stonewall fucking team that's gonna smash her and they don't say anything, you know? We, we could be the puppet masters of that, Jason. You wanna get out your, your glove? Yeah, yeah.
1: I do, I do. I'm ready to I'm ready to fist some puppets, that'd be great. Um I think like I think too, like if you pick and choose uh the the players, like Yanko brought up the good one of Hampus and, and we all know this, like Hampus is a guy that, you know, he doesn't, I'm not going to say he likes to talk shit, but, like, he doesn't really, like, he doesn't... He doesn't you know, mince he doesn't, words. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't smooth the edges, does he? He, like, puts it all out there, exactly what he thinks. And he did it wonderfully. I think that was, was that in Cologne? He gave, like, a really sick interview as well, where he basically said, like, yeah, we don't think they're very good in this aspect. And exactly what Janko kind of mentioned. So I think with someone like him, with, like, Kadian Kerrigan can obviously do it. Although Kerrigan's more of, like, the entertainer in terms of getting the crowd on his side more than, like, you know, building up any kind of, like, a... I don't know emotional rivalry within the game, but you know there there are players that we know that we can probably steer in the right direction and kind of unleash in that general area to kind of get what we're looking for. But you definitely can't just like fake it. You know you can't just bring someone in and be like, hey man, I'm gonna ask you these three questions, talk some shit. Like this is what I want you to this is what I want you to hit. Like not no no one's gonna want to do that, and that's just gonna fall flat.
2: Yeah, but I think uh, something that we could do at probably you know. I would like that to be our job to do it to an extent is, for example, Chad, when you were interviewing me for some of those pieces, you kind of let me know what you're looking for, right? Like you don't put answers in my mouth, but you're telling me, Hey, yeah, like this is a sort of a, like we're trying, this is what we're trying to do with this sort of a content. So I know, aha. Okay. So this is like what we're aiming towards. And also what you mentioned about cloud nine specifically, uh, you know, maybe we can present them. Absolutely. Like that's again, our job or well let's let's be realistic it's like the job of the organizer and whoever's creating the content but we have a lot of input there is yeah like we can pre- present them like that as long as we're not falsely presenting it, presenting them and we're not at that point but we can find ways to hype them up without really changing who they are right like and that's absolutely you know a storyline for cloud nine is oh these guys are you know very quiet they're not super outspoken they just live and breathe cs Right. They've been together for such a long time, came up from the Academy team, you know, were the best team in the world for a while, trying to find their footing still on like the, the major stage. You know, that's all true. That's nothing, you know, but with the right shots, with the right maybe, you know, background music or whatever, it sounds super hypey. Right. Just think of all the pieces that Alex was doing machine, you know, for Cologne, where he's just describing kind of the teams. But he scripts it like so well, and it's it's such a hype piece. No, at least for me, it's like super hype. Yeah, I think
1: I think you can also I think there's like a world in which because I know I'm I'm a, I think we've all done this. I know I definitely have. Um, I think there's a world too where like you can kind of make up for it as as the broadcast talent, right? Where maybe we take a stronger angle in a certain direction than, than we otherwise would, or maybe we really like embellish like a certain angle or belief that we have to a point where it can kind of make up for that lack of kind of like smack talking and lack, lack of like edge to the analyst segment. Like I've had plenty of segments where, you know, if you think back to like, uh, I don't know, some some kind of like dominant stretch from a team where like after like three or four events of basically saying these guys are the favorites, these guys eventually are just like, fuck that. This, this segment is so boring. We've had this one 20 times already. I'm taking the underdog in this one and I'm going to spend the segment just bigging up the underdog. I'm going to say these guys aren't as good in this area. Like as broadcast talent, you can kind of manufacture that yourself by trying to just embellish... Some kind of an angle from the other direction as well.
2: I did this to Duncan on some segment at the at the Stockholm Major, and then in the post game, <laughs> he just tilted him up face the Yeah, he hated me for it. He's already started in the green room. Oh, how did you talk me into it? But I did exactly what you were talking about.
1: Yeah, like it's it's fun. Like I've I've done it on plenty. I remember I did it with. Uh, <laughs> actually, this one's kind of funny. I remember I did it at an event with uh, with Dustin Morat, where he was one of the <laughs> other guys on the desk, and I was just, I went into a segment, and I was just like. Dust is going to talk first, and I'm just going to take the counter to everything he says. I'm going to say the exact opposite. I'm going to make all the Jesus complete Christ. opposite. any points. <laughs> I just went at it. It was fun. As so fuck you for were me. just using any-
2: the gravitas that you possess, Jason, as this massive broadcast <laughs> talent in NA to squash <laughs> your. Wasn't-
1: it wasn't done to you know bury Coring. him or anything like that. It was just kind of I was, mean he it did perfectly
2: he does a perfectly good job of doing that to himself.
1: <laughs> but like you know, things things like that, like hopping, that's why like it's always it it's always kind of been it's always kind of been yeah that that was that's always next gen <laughs> um, i've always I've never really like had the issue, I guess since I've worn a few like the different hats when you go from like casting to like analyst. like I never really cared if if someone called me biased when I'm on the analyst desk because I think, I mean, I think it's fun to have like that kind of an extreme example on one side to kind of, you know, get a little bit of excited or get a certain fan base excited. Like if I'm going to go out on a desk and, you know, I'm already being pointed out as like the North American guy. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to big up the North American teams beyond what is reasonable in any way, just because it's a little bit of fun and allows a little bit of a back and forth and a little bit of a discussion and um, casting, you try and rein it in as, as much as you can and as much as you, as you possibly do. But when you're on the desk, like I've never had a problem being like, yeah, I'm going to be like a hardcore, like liquid Homer as just as I'm sure Yanko, you've had a few segments where you've never been too strong. Stressed about being like a hardcore Nico Homer. Like you try and contextualize it in some reasonable points, but you know, there are some, there's definitely some moments where you can break out and just be the hardcore fan for a moment and just enjoy yourself in that.
2: Well, I mean, I, yeah, it's just that, you know, he's just such an insane player, Jason. It's all, it's all the truth. <laughs>
1: exactly. <you know. laughs> the, yeah. Look, it's I, more
2: Chad I, than JKS basically. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's, <laughs> every, everyone has a, has a fun one, right? We, every, yeah.
0: Everybody has to have one. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's all a bit of a weird science as well. And then another one that's always, um, a thought, po- and, and this is probably a good thing when we can start looking at the bigger picture of the major that's coming up, right? It's like quantifying how these teams are going to win or who's going to win and who's going to beat who, and like looking at some of these little details. Cause talking about the storylines for a lot of these teams, like this is, this is the first big thing that you identify going into it, right? Well, you, you, you have to start from out of the break. So you start from out of the break. You take a look at the the, the landscape as it is. And Navi and FaZe are considered the best two teams in the world. They just had the banger grand final in Cologne. We ended. We had a break. Everyone had a bit of downtime. A couple of roster changes we saw. And then you go, OK, let's wait and see what these roster changes have. And most of us you know, sitting on, on the on the pundit feds sit and go, OK, well, with two weeks of practice going straight into their first officials, these teams are very unlikely to be great. The, uh, the other alternative is they have a honeymoon period, and they look great. Right, we get both. You know, you you, you you sometimes get even a middle option where they're just like similar to as they were before and it's hard to tell if they were any better or worse after these changes, right? You get all of these options, but you know that the, the team has only been together for a short period of time. So you throw in some of them that have found success like into the hat with with Faze, Na'Vi. You can throw Vitality in there now. I think Liquid are in for a good conversation. G2 not qualifying immediately removes them. But then like in like actual conversation for who could potentially win the major, I feel like you have to throw names like Cloud9 and Heroic. Uh, oh no,
2: Chad! Please, what? Don't you throw Cloud9 like. in there. Don't throw <laughs> Cloud Why not? Neither. What have they shown you? What What have they shown you that makes you think they can win the major?
0: But this is the thing. I don't
2: think how close any were either to, how close were either everybody. of those teams
0: to winning Cologne. I think it's so matchup specific. I think that if they if they get to a situation where it's Cloud9 taking on Phase, I think there's a real opportunity that Cloud9 beat Phase. I was looking at
2: it today, which right? Which doesn't matter because they have to play at least one more team in the playoffs and they will lose to that team. Which yeah, but is I'm what talking happens- about
0: who's going to win the major because if, if fucking Cloud9 knockout phase and then it's Cloud9 versus Na'Vi, then yeah, I, I think that Na'Vi are probably going to win. But it, it matters on like who matches up against who about who can make it, right? Like I can't put a broad stroke. Because like I had a look at Navi, if Navi play FaZe in any point that isn't the Grand Final, like I think that Navi are in a bit of trouble. I think Grand Final a little bit different, but I don't think they'll beat them in like a quarterfinal or like a semi final. But if the Navi get like a different side of the bracket and FaZe get knocked out by Cloud Nine, then I think Navi could win. You know what I mean?
1: I'm similar with Chad kind of looking at this where I, I have like a list of like five teams who I think if they, hit like a, if they hit like a streak or they have some favorable matchup or a good path to the grand final that I have as teams that could potentially win the major.
0: I don't think there's a clear favorite.
1: I don't think there is either. I have Vitality, Faze, Liquid, Navi, and Cloud9 as the five teams that I could conceivably say on a good day, on a good weekend, on a good run, on a good matchup, could go through the bracket and win the major. <laughs>
2: liquid can win the
1: major who's gonna win then why not who you got baby i I don't know why any
2: of these how how are you looking at this i have have phase because phase is the favorite until they're not anymore like but that but it's it doesn't feel like they're
0: an they're more than a car's length away it feels like i I agree with that but that that's why like you can just from the standpoint of going they are the favorite but there's no clear favorite right like let's say it let's say that we were talking about phase and then who's the next closest team are you still putting navi
2: Yes. Okay, but how close is it from FaZe to NAVI? I think it's closer vitality to NAVI than NAVI is to FaZe, but not by much. I think all these teams are really close. Like let's say just how we had at the last major, it was mm, FaZe and NAVI, and then a couple of empty spots, and then everyone else. At least in my head, right? That that's how for this tournament it's again. Faze and Navi and I would put now vitality there as well like they've shown me now that I can put them there that they're still you know on that good uh streak but they have to play the fucking showdown so we'll sh- we'll see what happens there I think they would have mu- they would have much preferred to just you know not have to do that right now obviously I'm not going to say just lose the first game because you want to be at the fall finals uh and so on but I f- I feel like those three teams are, are grouped and then you have teams like Liquid. I don't want to say Cloud9, Cloud9's Nine. Cloud name.
1: But you're going but to. You, al- you almost will, walked right will, into it.
2: I will say Outsiders. I will say...
1: You're putting Outsiders above Cloud9. Well, you're giving yes, a shit that, for yes. Cloud9.
2: Outsiders could...
0: Yes. Gri- but this is the thing. I think yes. Yanko is being... like. I think he's being a bit harsh, Jason, at Cloud9. But Outsiders is a, is a reasonable one. I would flirt with them in the conversation as well. Um, I think you and I are a bit looking at this a bit looser than than Yanko is. I feel like the yeah. fanfare of all of this is going to play such a massive impact in this major. It just, I, I don't think it's going to be a clear cut.
1: Yeah, for 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 that reference, I'd even
0: Yanko throw NIP
2: there before Cloud9. Bloody hell! Yes. Wow,
1: you've come around. The last episode of this, you were you were teeing off on on an IP. You're so you're sold. I guess the question is, you know what, you is know NRP why, a honeymoon you know, team no, or is this, yes, is this some are. real
2: at shit? The, at the moment okay. they are, but you know, they're going to fall off a little bit, but this might work potentially listening to their comments a little bit as well. In that video, they posted the, the, the main problem guys I have with cloud nine is the fact that they just can't Win the do game. it when it matters, right? Yeah. Like, and, and they're false like, their dips are so deep, like, it doesn't make any sense for a team whose floor should be really high, right? Like, you can't lose to Astralis and Liquid in Cologne. You just can't after winning Dallas and this being your first next LAN. Like, that can't happen. And then again, you win, uh, you beat Faze at Pro League, and then you lose to Liquid again. It's like, if you want to be considered a contender, (laughs) like, that can't happen. If they beat phase and then lost to Na'Vi or Vitality, then you say, well, okay, that's always going to be a tough game no matter what. But especially Liquid at that point in time, they were they, they were playing better in Cologne than they were at Pro League. I think at least that's how I looked at it. But they uh, went to the grand
0: final at Pro League.
2: Yeah, well, you know, who did they play? They, their group stage was, was played, pretty rough, right? Played, like, that's where OC was, was stage, missing. They played Fnatic, then they played Mouse, then they played Cloud9.
1: If they didn't, if they didn't have such a rough group stage, if they had a great group stage, they would have had a much harder path. Yeah. Probably <laughs>
2: Yeah, so so that's my problem with Cloud Nine. I have no belief in them winning a big game. So they might make the playoffs. So, they might not because they also botched the last major, losing to Imperial. That's true. It, certainly, are certainly. not stakes... forgetting that. Like, how can you? How can you, the question? Why are you guys turning this to me? The question is, how can you put them there? Not how because, I I think, because I think they have still, I, think,
0: I, still, I think they're still building as a team. I feel like, you know, we've been back in this type of a LAN environment for only really this year consistently, right? Like last year we had, I don't know, maybe two or three events uh back in this type of environment. And and these are, are pretty young kids, right? Like they're I think they're still like early twenties, right, for a lot of them. And they I'm glad that they haven't changed roster just yet. I think that this major is like a real, a real proving of what you're saying here because it's it's all building up, right? Like eventually something will break within the team where it's like, yeah, we can't make any more progression. But if some of these things are teething issues for for the players, like to, to have like to have more I don't know, more more experience in this type of environment or whatever whatever it is that they, they need to harness. I, th- this is where you would think it would all come together, and this is why I'm having that conversation that th- I think they're a team in the mix because I don't think that FaZe are that far ahead of the pack. Like, I, I think, like I said, I think if we get FaZe versus a Cloud9, I think that Cloud9 can win that game, for example, right? And then that could affect the whole, who's going to win the overall major, which is kind of the angle I'm looking at this from. Like, I'm trying to build um my my elite teams who could go on to win it right you just mentioned yanko the teams that liquid beat right so for you in that sense like mouse and Fnatic, they're not elite level teams right where where are they like on the on the who, cusp Miles of the top and... 10 at Fnatic?
2: yeah i, I like both teams <clears throat> the way they uh, play like how they're playing i think mouse definitely doesn't have the experience they proved that at pro league so they're not gonna you know they might make the playoffs but well, they're they not just, going to do any damage.
0: Again. They just lost in Rotterdam.
2: Yeah, exactly. And they lost and they lost to Outsiders, and they allowed—they had like an 8-0 lead on the third map, and they lost 16-12 on H, and I believe it was, in the end. And that's why I don't have them, and that's why Miles... You, you, that will change at some point, but that's not for the next six months. Yeah, yeah I, I don't Miles, think they're uh, an elite-level team.
1: I have them as a quarterfinal team at best.
2: Yes. And that's, like, the problem is also with this fucking book holes or whatever. You don't know who's going to meet who in which game. So, that's why, I like, you know, you know how, uh, this is why I don't consider Liquid a contender. Liquid cannot beat in the same bracket both, like, two out of these three teams, Vitality, Phase Navi. They can't do it, right? They could have a really good day against one of them. And then beat them <clears throat> and have a little bit of luck. Who the other teams are, and again, Liquid cannot beat either either FaZe or NaVi in a the final. They cannot beat them in a the final. Like the not only even the best can, of three final. No, they can't do it. Like it's they're just not there ah. yet as a team. You know, like this is what I mean. You have to go through certain things as a team or players have as individuals before they're ready for a step like
0: that well three out of five have right three out of five have but it's never won key. a major n- no it's true, n- none it's, of true them. it's true but they were an elite level team right competing for trophies yes, and they've been on big absolutely st- yeah. but i'm and I, I know what you're saying but like and i think the what i was going to bring into this was the fact that you even though he's played on stages and similar conversation for oc but like OC would then have to be an elite level or on stage when it matters, right? Cause he's a key piece and your of would have Yet. to deliver in the same way. Like, and, and that right there is where your conversation Yanko, like that's where your side of looking at liquid in that way is probably the more realistic side. But the other side of things, and that's why, like, this conversation, if you think, like, and, and those are big stretches to make. I could make a stretch that, like, Naf, Alige, and Yakindo just go fucking bonkers. Like, those three just are on this massive heater over the course of the event, right? They're already in the legend stage. They come out hot, and they get straight into the playoffs. Then after that, what happens in the playoffs, I don't fucking know. But, like, I could make that, like, argument, and I could hype that team up and, and frame them from that angle, Um uh, with obviously the emissions of is OC going to you know do what he does and you know what what's nitro's contribution is going to look like but your your angle of, of you know not thinking they can win the majors is, is more likely but i feel like what i don't know what percentage would you put that they could right this is this is an interesting kind of angle because it, it's impossible to complete. There's a few teams we could probably completely rule out, right? Like, <laughs> There's definitely some teams from the smaller regions who are going to come. They're going to play their couple of games. Maybe they win one best of one and, and get close to the best of three, but that's it, right? We, we know that's going to happen. Um, but there has to be... like I don't think that the major is clear-cut just the top three right now still. Like I feel like there's an argument like, that can be made. There have been crazy runs at majors before. Of, of, of
2: course, because you may have a quarterfinal game like in Stockholm, which was Vitality-Navi yeah right like that i mean that's the biggest problem with this is like we are and i think there's a massive chance of that happening like there's always there's always one quarterfinal that is like just ridiculous right so um i think that's why it's going to be tough and, and you can't know that like if you know FaZe and navi for example hypothetically have to play in the quarterfinal. well obviously the odds for vitality winning the whole thing go up by a lot
1: yeah right yeah. and
2: uh, i mean In in relative to that, for a lot of the other teams, The, the my point is only like. For me, I always look at not just how good how well a team is playing at the moment, but what are the personalities of the players? How many big games have they played? How many stage games, major stage games, major playoff games, and so on and so on? Like because it's such a change in you know the environment when you have to play that. It's like you know you can it can overwhelm you and there's nothing you know that's sort of normal to some extent as well that's to be expected right that's why we that's why we have this thing called experience you know but so, isn't that why when some team like spirit makes it so
0: deep like they did that's the exciting part is because it's against the expectation like the story is these kids they've got no experience in this type of environment right here and then they still come out and dexter and taking it, it. too absolutely yeah, but they're and, russian the fun Chad. story because and russians
2: don't give a fuck like people from cis and the east like they don't care like you look how patsy is playing you remember how patsy was playing against FaZe in that series like that was ridiculous like he's playing against the world's best team the world's best players and he's just interface all the time and he's owning them it's like he he pushes (laughs) after 10 seconds b tunnels with the op and kills rob who's just waiting for him who's like one of the best you know t-side anchor players in a default like who's the least punished and whatever right but i can't say that for a team like mouse they shit their pads team from like fnatic <laughs> no it's right because so they so. play by the book so they won't have yeah, the balls right a team no, I like you. a team like NAP, i don't i don't put them in i put them somewhere in between right like they're a team that can play very well but this is you know it's as simple as this and i've saw i've experienced this in some of my teams you play default, and things go, you know, you do it step by step, and people are talking, give me a flash for this, Molly that, I'm gonna smoke this off, let's take mid, and then there's a big game, or a stage game, or this or that, and all of a sudden, there's less talking going around, less asking yeah. for stuff, and then you're stuck, even as a coach, or as an in-game leader, it doesn't matter, you're like, wait, I used to have, like, brackets control at 135, now I don't have it until a full minute, and then while I'm taking banana, I'm supposed to, you know, I want to come back, I want to fake like I want to finish B and come back to A, and the guy on A has a smoke, a molly, an HE, and I'm like, how's how does he have all these nades? And then you realize, well, we're not aggressive enough. People are not taking enough initiative, so we're not baiting out the nades, so it's much more difficult for us to finish rounds now when they have a lot more utility than we're used to, for example, in practice or even official games in different stages of of tournaments, right? Yeah. And that's something where you have to have, like, you know, not just a sit down talk but people need to be aware of that and you need to like sort of drill that into their heads that hey these things need to remain the same no matter the opponent no matter the stage like that that's what it means playing your own game right but it if, means like keep doing things that the same way isn't this conversation
0: right because we because we should dig into some of these like theories that we bring up more because one of the things that I, that I realize is when we talk about these things we have a really good Idea of what we're talking about, but we might get there in different ways, right? Like showing our working of this is, I guess, talking a bit of the deeper theory. So, with with what you're you're saying here with this this communication aspect, and this is why teams, when you hear them in post game interviews, they go, "Oh yeah, the, the comms were flowing." Is exactly what Yanko is talking about here in the sense that, like your star players or your playmakers, everybody in the default, like whatever variation of the default you have, understands what their role needs to be and what the theory is in the map, right? But if a player you know, gets a weird start to the game, right? I used to have some players I'd play with who, if they didn't get a couple of kills in pistol round, they were pretty quiet. Yep right yep. like ben and the thing is you want these players to come in and be it's not stupidly confident you don't say hey f- half will flash me out banana insta i'm just going to run and dome this guy it's like the sense of all right so i know they're going to throw this deep molly so we're going to counter molly after that all right molly's fading throw the flash now like and everybody's doing their job as part of this and those comms are going as soon as that dies down and dulls down the whole cohesion of the team is basically gone because everybody understands those concepts but everybody's doing them to a different rhythm and like that type of communication and everything going well, it can like it's weird how some players do it one day and they don't the next, and you wonder if it's like was this if it, like is this just because they started the game with you know they encountered a Molly they weren't expecting or they died in a way they weren't and are they already tilted? Is it something outside of the game? Like why? Because it, it's it's true. You see it with Orpers a lot.
1: Yeah, it can be. It can be super small too. I mean, the difference between like someone I know like what I've had you know when I was coaching Liquid we had we had a, we had a match where someone would hear like a. A scope and, and like lane um, on Inferno and nine times out of 10 in practice. And in other matches, I'd heard him say, Hey, throw this specific flash for me. I'm going to peek. I'm going to swing on this. He's going to get blind. He's right here at this corner, throw the flash. And then you hear him go into a match where he's a little bit reserved and communication isn't there. And the energy's not up. And all you hear him say is like, Hey, be careful. There, there's an op at this angle. And like, you know, not, not like as proactive as taking those, those kinds of stances yeah, and actually applying a little bit of pressure. Yeah, exactly. And it, it can be just as small as that little detail of like, you know, trying to handle a situation versus simply warning teammates. And that can throw everything, everything off massively.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a weird one as well. I think one of the things that I always have to keep reminding myself, and I don't mean this in like a derogatory way, when I hear myself saying this back in videos, I'm like, Oh man, I'm such a fucking boomer. But like, I'm talking about the kids, just like the younger generation of the players, right? Like these 16, 17, 18 year olds, like they're also uh, maybe not always the most Keen at communicating. Remember, we always have to have quiet players as well, and these are all things yep. that go into being an elite level player. And you have to try and settle all these things, and it—it just—it's it, so much stuff, which is the mental side of the game. Which, when we're talking about these teams, we don't know. That level, we don't know where that bar is set. We don't know what's going on in the server. We don't know the mood in the server. We don't know if you know X versus Y had a fight yesterday because they couldn't decide on how they want to take fucking banana control. But we know by being involved in all of these teams that these conversations are going on, or there's a mood, or that like, this should exist on like a regular basis. And then you're talking about these teams without knowing any of this because you just have to judge them on the counter stride that's played in the server. But some of them make it easy, right? I remember like when Liquid were in their fucking miserable period, just the look on their faces while they were playing. I was like, these motherfuckers don't want to be here. Even
1: when they were in their happy period.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. There's always, a, there's always a better place to be, man. <laughs> always yeah, a better place yeah, to be. Yeah, I
1: mean, some some people do. And I, I know like some people, some, some teams like the Liquid one with their expressions are sometimes pretty indicative. Um, I think it was pretty obvious as well. Like sometimes you can see it in like gameplay, right? Like sometimes you can just tell a team is like really, really off. I think the easy one would have been phase at this past RMR. Like you could just tell, like still really good team, but there was like some some things that just weren't connecting in the ways that we were used to seeing it throughout the year. Um, but that's I, also I why mean, that's also why like they're the the greats. And as Sienko said, they'd be the favorites to win this major is because. I would say that they played a pretty shit RMR by FaZe standards and they still went through three to nothing.
2: And, and probably one of the reasons why I would, another reason why I would add why I'm favoring oh, them no. is they won tournaments and big games not playing great. Yeah. I don't want to say A game, but, you know, I don't want to say they played bad, bad, but, you know, they, they can play much better than they did and they still won games. And, you you know, the, one of the, you guys know that one of the things I hate the most when teams say in pregame or pre-event interviews, whatever, if you play our A game, we can beat anyone. Let me tell you something. That's true for the top 30 teams. Like if, you know, we saw in Pro League endpoint beating Davi 2-0, right? When now was having a shit game and endpoint probably played their A game, right? But you're not you're gonna play your A game once every 30 matches, maybe, right? Like, the best game that you can possibly play and everything's gonna work out just as you've drawn it up and, and whatnot. So, the, the point is, you should always try to raise your floor as much as possible and just give your players options, right? But... Uh, I was going to say, yeah, so look at the team. We had a, a specific example from, from the RMR was Fours, right? Like, yeah. we, we could tell, like, oh, they seem a little bit tough. They're allowing these comebacks. Like, that's uncharacteristic of I them. Mean, it's also for any team to not close out a 14-5 lead on City side of Inferno. Like, something has to be going horribly wrong. And then, you know, Jerry also tweeting who doesn't tweet a lot. And then what happens uh, a couple of days ago, right? They just announced they're benching two players. So you know these things we're not making them up guys you know it's like it comes from one thing leaks to another and it's just how team dynamics kind of work
0: yeah well I guess this is all kind of it's all tied into the the broader conversation we're having here today right about the villains and every and and this is the personalities it would be fun right like I guess people would be mega different if we had everybody mic'd up all the time, right? But if people could see some of these personalities that they make assumptions about and see what they're like in a team dynamic and everything, I think it would be, and I don't necessarily mean eye-opening and, and just take that from the negative standpoint. I think there'd be some of that, but I also think there'd be a lot of stuff from like a positive standpoint to see how some of these individuals are like role models for the other teammates, they're like work ethic and stuff. And uh, that's the, that's under the, under the covers, I suppose. I don't think we'll ever get to that level of... Uh,
2: we will uh, understand. I you think, you think, think we will. So? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's but it. look at also how much it it shapes a player. Like the Nico clip from E League. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! that's being memed about without context, as well, right? That he was talking to Chris Jay, who was talking about the previous round, and Nico wanted him to focus on the round that they were actually playing and focus on the game, right? So that that's why players don't have really faith as much, you know, <laughs> to for TOs, because like if it if twisted, like it can create an image. Of a player that's you know it's hard to change for uh, a while
0: yeah I, yeah I guess one of the things i don't know how you feel about this jason is the the megaphone that a lot of these players have and I, I understand it there's certain things that could look really bad right but there's also things that come out and there's an image of them they have the platforms to be able to set this straight right everybody believes the player first right that always feels like yeah. whatever they say it's gospel
1: But I don't think they have, like, you know, I don't think they have the experience in dealing with it on that scale in terms of controlling, like, the messaging around image. This is where you'd want, like, to have someone within the organization, like a PR staff, dedicated to to the five players who could be like, oh... This Nico clip is popping off of him telling his teammates to shut up. Everyone is thinking Nico's like the wicked witch of the West. Um, how can we, you know, have some PR, someone from PR come in and say, this is how we're going to handle the situation that we control like where this conversa- conversation is headed. Because, you know, this, that's just what happens when you have something like that out into the world. That's, Um, that is in no way being attempted to be controlled when just the masses have their hand on it. And when the random people who may or may not like Nico able to make a comment in a Reddit thread that gets upvoted to 200 points. And all of a sudden a random Redditor comes in and thinks those 200 points like lends it a lot of credibility. And then that just becomes the story. And that's, that's just how it works. And that's where, you'd want there to be a little bit better a little bit more professional of a damage control from a player and organizational perspective, but in no way should that ever be necessarily the concern of the players, even though it most definitely is because their, their person, their, their persona matters. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think where there's a big disconnect is they probably feel a certain level of helplessness helplessness to be able to avoid those scenarios while also just like, cause you know, I don't know, they have the microphone, but you know, it's so that kind of shit, as we know, because we've been part of it, too. It, like, you're just never really motivated to really handle it. Like, you're just like, oh, I just don't want to fucking deal with this yeah. <laughs> more than anything.
0: Yeah. It, it, yeah. I don't know. It can be very toxic. I, I want to pivot, boys. If if you if you're down to pivot, I don't I, I don't know if we want to. I guess we can continue to float. We've been floating. We can, and we can, we float can pivot some more. We can pivot.
2: We
1: can pivot. I know oh. we should probably get to not to put a subject. At some point, we should get to the do the showdown stuff really quickly since that's going on these next two or three days.
0: Okay, what do we want to like? What do we want to say about that?
1: We'll just maybe walk through the brackets, you know, see to see predict who's going to come out of it. We can do it at the end. We can do it as like a quick little throwaway. I
0: was just well, saying, it yeah. should be vitality or heroic. If any other team wins it, then they perform phenomenally well.
1: Okay. What do you think about the Americas?
0: Uh,
1: complexity, EG, Double it's Nation. It's well, online.
0: So it I'm going to uh, go with complexity.
1: Okay. Yanko, you want to get involved in this? This is the this is yeah, American one's on more chat. exciting. than Yeah, a,
2: America one, I feel European. like it can be more unpredictable since it's online, but I would go whoever like EG or zero, zero nation, whoever's from that side of the bracket. Although I, do, I don't want to say zero, zero nation because I feel like because it's online then they won't be as good, but I want to say that side of the bracket EG or zero, zero nation and for EU. Yeah. I mean, Okay. You look at Good the bracket. Time. You look at you look at the bracket and
1: it should be vitality, whether it's heroic.
2: vitality or heroic. The only thing I can see is potentially Sangal or, or Big since it's online, messing it up for heroic, right? True. But I feel like vitality just has way too much firepower here, and if they're trying, they should be the ones to it, to go to Royal Arena. If it's anything like the qualifiers,
0: then some of these teams probably will get through. Because if I, I remember covering this off. Back at the time when the teams were qualifying for the showdown, and you take a look at the teams who were in these qualifiers, I think maybe we even spoke about it here before, and who they beat. Like, uh, for example, Sangal come through like Gamers XEU Championship, right? And the team there that was probably meant to take that slot to compete was Fnatic, and then they bottled it against Sangal and lost two one, right? So then they didn't even get a chance to make it to to the thing. Uh, if you look at where Ecstatic came through. In that event, Ents was there, and Ents fucking bottled it and got two-ed by ecstatic. So you add those two names into the mix of this bracket, then we're starting to get a bit more excited, right? I think uh, there was another one that went a bit odd. Yeah, there was the one that Eternal Fire qualified through, and Mouse, they were in that one, and they fucking bottled it in the in the, in the same fashion, right? And yeah. then like, you bring those three names in. And also, I'm like, okay, I'm a
2: little bit excited. Why are they being so BM that they're putting Tai Lu in the European one? <laughs> I mean, at least, you know, give them a fighting chance. Put them in the NA one, I guess. It or at least matter. don't seed them against Vitality. <laughs> yeah, or that. Wow, they're actually 191 on HLTV. Wow. What qualifier did Tai
1: Lu come through? I guess they did like, well, because I know. The
2: Asian one, right? Yeah, there was a 5E Arena Asia Cup.
1: The Americas one has uh, an Australian team, don't they? I
0: think it? it's... Is it is it, uh, is it the is Encore it f- or it's uh, Vertex? Vertex.
1: Vertex. Okay, so they gave the American qualif- or the American bracket the Australian team and they give the European one the Asian team. Is it because... Is Tyloo doing their whole like boot camp in Europe thing right now? Could that be why?
0: I don't oh. know. I, it might be harder for them to get into... America than it is for Australians to get into America. Or True. B- yep. Uh, but like they don't have to go to America. I guess they could have gone to like Mexico or something like that. I Canada. don't know. Yeah, but Malta uh, is in that team. Okay. So, yeah. That'll be cool. interesting. They'll probably get owned. It's a hard learning curve when you go over to those events and it's your, your first one. It definitely is a very, very steep hill. Um, I guess this is the thing I, I wanted to, to pivot to uh, was talking about the fact that this is going to be the 18th major. And I was just like, you know, you, the fact there's been 18 of these bastards uh, and we've all been around in Counter-Strike for longer than just that major circuit, it really, you know, you
2: reminisce and it makes me feel fucking old. And man. the only guy who's been at them all is Dupree. So round of applause. Yeah. Very good good, dupes. The last That's man standing. Well also uh, the child on the way. So double congrats. Nice. Two. Double congrats.
0: Yeah, two round of applause from Yanko there. And so who
2: that's... was it? It was Maniac who tweeted it out. It's like, are we actually uh underrating underast- under group. underrating his career? And I think we absolutely are, if you look at it.
1: Well, he also has the most prize money winnings now, doesn't he?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but according to that, well, know, I, th- I, I kinda stole thing. Chad's yeah. pivot,
0: so I don't know if there was something No, no, no. This is well, I, this is there, there's a lot of things that we could talk it's... about from this, but I, I think is a very good good uh, starting point for it. Let's... All, eh?
1: Yeah, I was gonna say let's operate under the assumption that Maniac Suite is correct, and we are under. Like, how do you put Dupree into context, though? As he's been at every, the only person to have been at every single. Well, he has major. a great
0: resume, right?
1: Yeah, but he's not in any way like a star player at this point. Like he's been. I mean, even the in the, in the heyday of Astralis, he wasn't. You wouldn't say he was a star of that team. He was just one of the very yeah. impactful.
2: Would he was a top twenty player seven seven years. Yeah, like, I think every he year was except a star okay. for twenty sixteen, and twenty twenty one.
0: But the thing about Astralis and the reason that they were dominant is because we talk about how good they were as a team. Obviously, the individuals needed to be very, very competent, right? But the thing that was yeah. exciting about Astralis and that always stole the limelight was the talk of their team play. Um, but Dupree always, you know, it was like that, that, that rifler getting stuck in. And as, especially when Kirby was going through the team, it activated him a bit more, right? We got back, like, that's he was one of the, those key factors as to... To why they were so strong. But I guess it's just, if we're looking at it from that perspective, Jason, it's just about, I, I guess, his career adapting over the years. Like, I was, when I had yeah. him on HTV Confirmed the other day, we were talking about this, and, um, you know, it, it gets harder, you know, we, we, it, any, like any great game, you know, the, the current day players build on the shoulders of giants. So all, all the people, like the Duprees, the Devices, like, I guess, the mod, like Simples now, the Zywas now, the next generation of players are all building on what these guys are teaching them through their gameplay. Um, and now Dupree's at a point where he's, you know, he's keeping up doing his job sufficiently within a top team, contributing in the role he's needed for within this top team. Um, so I don't know, like in terms of his, his resume overall, it's it's got to be one of the best resumes, right? Like,
1: uh, yeah, it certainly has to be.
0: The only other names that come into conversation are ones that have won like a shitload of MVPs and stuff, right? Like, obviously, Device is at the top of this mountain as well, um, but he's been AFK. He hasn't attended all 18 majors. So then, then those things come in. Like, the longevity of Dupree is still going. Whereas, Device, we don't know. Is he coming back? If he does come back, what form is he going to be in? Is his legacy tarnished forever? Whereas, Dupree has just been consistently grinding and keeping up uh, a, a top tier competitive level of Counter Strike the entire time. So, you know, I, think I guess yeah. one sort of the
1: next closest would be Zipix as well, because I think this was this failure to qualify for Astralis is what took him off that list as well.
0: And Shox, um, They were the last three coming into this. Yeah, and Shocks didn't even make it through the RMRs. And then obviously, Astralis have this config situation, well, which
1: assisted
2: yeah. in their demise. So. And
1: Zippix has been playing cliffhanger, I feel like, in this roster since its inception, really.
2: All right, here's a take for you. Okay. Well, actually, I'll save this for a little bit later. Just to remind me about Zipex since we're since we're still talking about the majors, <laughs> right? We could t- talk about Zip. Whatever, well, you want, bro. I-, I was gonna say, Zipex. If he doesn't make like the apex more, if he doesn't pick up the IGL mantle, like he's he doesn't have he's like he's out. Like, who's you know who he's gonna have the way of like shocks or someone who goes to like you know apex or teams like that. Like, who's gonna pick up? zipex and i don't mean this to, to knock him i just feel like he's past his best years right when it comes to being like this super solid anchor on C T side and In then modern an, day there's better options and right? then and then an amazing clutcher on t side there's like better options right but what what does he have a wealth of experience obviously a very poised player seems like a you know calm personality too smart guy so you know those are all traits that could be you know great for an in-game leader right if it's something that he would be willing to do or he feels like he can learn or maybe knows doing you know he spends so much time around glaive and zonic too right so i feel like that's a way for him to extend his career at the tier one level sure he can play for you know other teams probably at a, a at a lower level right it's at least how i feel about it right now
1: yeah i don't I don't know where he would go as a pivot because I don't think, I don't think, I personally don't think he's got it as an in game leader. I think if you wanted to have the conversation about the value he could bring to like a veteran presence of a younger team, even that I would kind of be on the fence about. Like, I'm, I'd actually, if I, if I think about this in like detail, I'd actually be pretty concerned about where he goes next because I don't even know if he has like that same kind of like strong motivational personality that could actually assist. Like, a, I don't know if that would bring enough benefit to it to a younger. To a younger team
0: it's unfortunate the way it's gone for him when you compare to the players we were just talking about in dupree and magisk for example right because the the demise of the team there was obviously like shuffling around of players and whatnot towards the tail end and you know. Uh, the six man roster situation and, and all of that bullshittery that went on, um, and all of that, I suppose. But it, it feels like Dupree and Magis saw the writing on the wall in that time and they jumped on t- from something that wasn't completely ruined yet, right? Because at that point, the Australis reputation wasn't completely ruined, it was definitely uh, like uh, part of its decline. Um, they went and moved to something that was, was strong but heading in the upward direction direction right whereas Australis was strong but they could see the the downslide. whereas zip and glaive have stuck around for this maybe some of the roster changes have been out of their hands maybe there have been some some pickups that have happened maybe you know there's been bad scouting I don't think there's any doubt about that and now they find themselves in this team that's completely broken so for poor zip his career ends up in this direction because um, he he made a he made a bad choice you know looking at the way that the team was going and in terms of where he can find himself going forward, I, I don't know, like this is one of the things because you either join a team in the capacity you're talking about, Jason, as like the elder statesman yeah. coming in to provide the experience, but that team needs to be in on the way up. They still need to be motivated. You're not coming in to motivate this team and be yeah, the you'd factor. Be,
1: you'd be the hobbit, right? The hobbit yeah. brought into cloud nine.
0: Yeah, and you're just gonna come in and you're gonna do your job <laughs> and you're gonna contribute, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: I know, so <laughs> but it just sounds so ridiculous. Like. But in the other
0: version, though, in the other version is, well, there's two more versions. Like They continue to hang on to the these tattered pieces and it continues to fall apart in their hands and it just gets worse and worse. Or they do a complete rebuild and as part of the complete rebuild, Zip's probably not the man you're keeping over there at Australia. So that means he has no. to go somewhere else. So then that organization needs to be one of well, some value to be able to pay him and he needs to be able to pick some players who are then going to be keen. And then on top of that, he needs to work extremely hard to reinvent himself in that position. So it's like, it's up to his work ethic, I suppose. And if he he wants to keep doing this because Zip's been fucking going forever, mate
1: he'd have to branch out and really do something for a team that he hasn't done yet in his career. And that's, that's what worries me. I just hope he's getting paid because, uh, I hope he's just has to keep getting him, (laughs) giving him them paychecks. He ain't uh, all I know is he's never coming to an agreement to cancel that contract. Well, didn't he 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 sign like a couple of fights? Didn't he sign like a four year contract like a year ago or something like that or a year and a half ago? He's got a decent contract left as well. It's hefty. Here's a question since if you want to talk about like Zippix kind of being dragged down with the Astralis slash Titanic situation, um, obviously Glaive has way more options in terms of in game leadership and he'd probably be a valuable piece that Astralis is going to keep. But do you think this, this demise of Astralis, of like the, the legend of Astralis, how tarnished it is the moment, tarnishes Glaives? legacy as an individual in any way
0: um just this patch i don't think i don't think anything detracts from like the legacy are you saying the, the way it is now like sully's what they... like
1: does does he like if, if, as a player that you would want to that you would value as an in-game leader on a team does the fact that this astralis has come like so crumbling down because like you know before astralis went so on wait, are we trajectory...
2: talking about this stock or his legacy
1: uh let's say stock legacy probably i don't think anyone can touch that i don't think we could ever touch like the greatest I'll, team I'll,
2: I'll, team. I'll mention that later i'll have okay. a question for you later.
0: <laughs> cool. all right but you go, go ahead first Chad. i think his stock is his hurt because of the players that he's had available to him now and they haven't been able to make a success now whether that's out of his hands or not it still devalues him because like he's made the choice to stay at this organization right he re-signed with them he 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 you know, I know the saying goes, uh, the, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. But sometimes the writing's on the wall with these things. And we've we've been talking about for years some of the hand-on nature for some of these teams. And it always seems to work immediately. Like the confirmation bias that I think Astralis got by adding blame F and config to the team and then going on and having that good run in Copenhagen going, oh shit, we just made the right call. Our boys went deep on home turf where the crowd was yelling which bombsite uh, that the other team was going to. Um, you know, like, <laughs> you know the, that confirmation bias right there probably made them think that that was a good roster change. But I was always pretty lukewarm on that from the beginning. And, and all the stuff that happened in the online period with the, with the six-man roster stuff, like some of these signings make no sense. They bring Bubsky in and then they don't end up using him. And now Bubsky would have been the perfect piece for them still to have they, when they have config out and they need an aggressive rifler or they had Zyphon on the Astralis talent roster. Anyway, I'm going everywhere. We were just talking about Glaive. But yeah, he decided to stick around at this team. Um, So definitely, definitely the stock is, the stock's not good at the moment.
2: Yeah, I I think his stock is down and not just because of the results and him staying on Astralis. I think also look at how the game is being played right now. Like you guys will remember, right? You remember how Astralis was so good in 2018. They were by the book utility and so on and so on. And then I don't know if it was 2019, I guess, when they started just the problem is they were so by the book it became predictable. Like they would always just do things the correct way, right? So teams started taking advantage of that against them. They started playing a sort of a more wild style, so they can't really make their reads that were so that they were so good at. So they started just playing, yeah. giving individuals a little bit more freedom, right? Not always playing together and so on and so on, just to, to make it a little bit different. Um, and, and switch it up. And obviously, since it's not their natural style, they had mixed success with it. But it was something that I agree that they had to try and do. So I'm not sure if, you know, the way the things are now where players have a lot of, you know, you have great individual players on any team that wants to, uh, you know, be the best and you have to give those players a lot of freedom and improvise a bit more in terms of calling, right? And not always like have these set endings that you're going for. Like, I'm not saying Glaive can't do it, but that's not his, like, forte, you know? So, it's... But the motivation
0: might not be there for him to want to, like, build that stuff anyway, right? Because if you're thinking about it, Janko, if you're, like, the boss of the... of if, Well, if you get told that you're the boss, or you're in the boss position, like he is, like, in a team like this, and he's not getting players that he wants to even start to build a system... Yeah, it's like, right. ten guys,
2: you made me the boss of, like, <laughs> you know, a this shit unit. Shit, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So it's like it's probably very demotivating in that way. Like I, I just talking about the headline from that article a couple of weeks ago it was just something like you know, some the, the decisions management make. You just got to try and qualify and hold or hold your spot, right? I guess that could be talking about within the team.
1: That um, was such a damning interview when I when I read that. I think we talked about that the last episode. Yeah, yeah well. it's just was- out
0: of their hands, right? Yeah, like that's the thing when you think about like those those things right there as an in-game leader you either have to get with the program or you have to like be the program right which is why the best teams normally the coach and the in-game leader will have a really strong relationship on how they want to approach the game um, and use the players and everything or you have a really strong coach and then he can dictate like I feel like well yeah yeah go ahead go ahead I was going to say, I feel like Cloud9, I was going to bring up your favorite team again, Yako. Uh, <laughs> they have like a really strong coaching with Groove. And you can tell that just with the vetoes. Like, If the coach is the one literally determining the veto, I'm sure there is a conversation with Nafani at some point. But the one who's the, the authority figure to do that, then he's definitely dictating the type of game plan and stuff. I feel like the Blades and the, the Grooves of the world, those are two of, well, I don't know how many coaches we'd put close to, to their style of coaching, who are actually playing like chess with their players right they're like playing like the high level look down and the the coaches are the one making those moves where in a lot of these other teams i still think it's um dean game's leaders doing a lot of a lot of the work
2: yeah and i think also something that is probably underestimated and, and all probably uh looked over is the fact how much it hurt glaive to lose sonic yeah you know ever since sonic club like, he never really had a stable sort of a coach that ever felt like they got that dynamic going or as simple as figure the things out for the team counter strike wise right so then there's a lot more weight on just his shoulders um to figure everything out and to prepare the team and to prepare the players maybe even And you know, he
1: had a baby during covid.
2: Yeah. You know, he, he had yeah, a lot of in his plate. Lot of babies man popping left right and center. But yeah, so you know I I think he there were a couple of things that happened that probably hurt him, but this is the question for you, Jason, now. Okay. Because I'm ready. You, because talking about Glaives' legacy, so if FaZe wins the major, and with that they win two majors, they win the Grand Slam, they win Kadowice and Cologne and And a pro league. You know, they won a pro league as well on top of all of that. And there's two tournaments left. Do you think like he surpasses Glaive as the best in game leader to ever do it, Kerrigan?
1: Ooh, that's really tough. I mean, without uh, a doubt, it's
2: the most it's the best year a team has ever had. It's the most yeah, historic yeah, year would,
1: in CS. It, well, I think the more interesting topic on that, because I agree, I think it would be probably the best year any team's ever had in Counter Strike, but it would be interesting to do like a comparison, like what we did chat with the uh, with the old school major stuff would be let's, you know, who would win twenty twenty two phase oh, or like twenty eighteen. Yeah, the time travel land. Like compare those two rosters. I don't I don't know because I think actually I think a lot of it depends on, on who you are, like how what you kind of value. Cause I think you could probably make the argument already that Kerrigan has overtaken or, or is the better in game leader than Glaive, right? Like you, you probably could make that argument at the moment. Wow. I certainly know I certainly know Duncan would. Duncan would make that argument. Well, the best um,
0: dynasty, right? The best dynasty but, is the Australis dynasty, right?
1: Yeah, but I guess that's what I mean. It would matter, like how much you value the major trophies and the, those kinds of championships in, in terms of that pedigree. So for me, I very much value that those like championships and the majors when it comes to being the greatest players of all time. So I would still have Glaive up there, even if Kerrigan won both majors this year. But I think on a career level, like some of the teams that Kerrigan's been able to step into and immediately make improvements, if you just want to talk about in-game leader and leadership abilities and and, and making a team of different parts better than, than what it was before you get there, I think Kerrigan, if you take away the trophies, hands down is a better in-game leader than Glaive. But Glaive's got the hardware.
2: Chad?
0: I don't know, this is a conversation where I need the resumes up. There's so, ma- so many things that go into this conversation,
2: right? No, yeah, well, you're just like, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm just asking from the top of your head how you feel about it, right? Like, obviously, you know the differences. Clave has the, all so- the majors, but Kerrigan has, like Jason pointed out.
1: What, what sells it for me because I mean you just had the conversation about Glaive and having a tough time adapting to the new style of play I think Kerrigan is a player who's been able to come into all the different metas and all the different styles of play and and plenty of different teams and make them can, like look at what he did with Mals towards the end of 2019 they won like five straight events at the end of the year and nobody even had them as potential like contenders throughout most like they, they looked like hell he came in and he made one like little roll switch with Frozen and all of a sudden they were off to the races I think he made uh, the old Dana roster before he got cut um he took over from fetish and turned them in from just being a defensive powerhouse to adding a layer of offense on the t-sides that made them extremely dangerous and put them in that like triangle of doom with tsm fanatic and i think it was like uh the titans i would imagine it would be back then um so i mean i think you know kerrigan's probably just taken more teams to being a dangerous squad out of nowhere and shown that he can do it with multiple different kinds of players and multiple different kinds of styles
0: it's still but, I still ask the question just know what you value more though right because like yeah
1: I'd I value the hardware when it comes to the greatest of all time So sogla it's not those even majors. just it's
0: not even just that right like you're, yeah. you're you're bang on when you're talking about like developing players or teams into either winning trophies or be of, of trophy winning caliber right like that so when we're looking at Carrigan's career we're looking at most of the career we're not just looking at this tail end right now with yep. what he's doing you're factoring in other things with the glaive career, we're not really looking at what came before Astralis and we're looking now because we have the recency bias of what's happening now with Astralis, but for basically a two-year period and the Astralis as a team, so this is the thing as well, how much of that do you put on clave developed the blueprint for how modern Counter-Strike is, is played, right? They refined a lot of key details of Counter-Strike that were either being used inefficiently before or, or, or maybe just not being looked at in the way they should and that's what Astralis defined. Now, if you put a lot of that thought on Glaive, right? which I, I don't know, uh, but if you do, then you would be basically saying that the way that he helped progress, progress Counter-Strike has left a mark on how it is played today. Can you say the same thing about Carrigan? right? I can say that he's a very good leader at using the pieces available to him. He's a very good leader in terms of being able to get these teams up to a very high competitive standard. Um, and then in converting, this has been the year where he's really brought all of those Chooks home to roost, right? Because he's been winning. It's 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 a very good year in terms of that that cabinet. So you're talking about the way he's developed players. You look at Glaive, You're talking about the way that he used a set of players to go and win the most majors of all time and be do- dominant for basically two years and define how the game was played. And it took teams that long to catch up and actually maybe some of their own demise uh, for them to start getting toppled on a on a regular basis. And from that there, that I don't know. I, I don't know which criteria I weigh as more. I'm, I'm having yeah. a very difficult time, but I'm trying to get down to the bottom of what defines them, right?
1: I think so. these, these kinds of conversations are fun, but I think the problem with them is I feel like the participants in it usually, I think we're doing a good job right now, but the participants in them usually have like, it's <laughs> it's like almost like there's like a miscommunication just due to like the definitions you're using, right? Like do you want to make the argument of someone's the best of all time or the greatest of all time? Like for me there's a huge distinction. And I think sometimes that that gets muddied to a certain degree during these, these comparisons.
2: I think for me it's as simple as I need Fa- if that happens this year, I'd still need more from Kerrigan. I'd need FaZe to be like a contender next year as well and win some big tournaments. It doesn't even have to be a major but they have to be like up there, uh competing for titles, win a couple of big bonds, maybe you know cologne again and a uh, uh, f- fall final, or you know something along those lines, maybe one major out of the two and one big event, and then i'm then I'm putting him over it well, because, yeah,
0: what about this, Yanka? let me ask you a question here, and you keep building on your point. Name me one famous sprinter,
2: bolts, right yeah, yeah, okay well name I me, name, Jesse me. well. Owens. well <laughs> No I, uh, who else is
0: uh, Asafa Powell? Okay? Name me one famous marathon runner.
2: Oh something, something uh, yeah, I know he's from Ethiopia. Okay, so we can't yes. get the name. So here's, here's my it. point.
0: The, there you go. You can you can remember, a, you know, a guy who did it quick, but uh, the guy who did it over a long period of time, he's not as famous. So, you know, you you just not happy with the, the splash in the <laughs> pan from FaZe no, here? No, yeah,
2: that, that's the thing, because then it would be just this one amazing year where they won a lot of really big trophies. Of course, he's won a few others with uh, with phase two, right? But there's also been a lot of, you know... Yeah, that's great. You, you managed to get a team like Mouse to a good level and win a couple of tournaments at the end of 2019 with them. You know, TSM, he definitely improved that team. But, you know, then you also have the Boston final, right? Like, compare the Boston final to the Atlanta final, the E-League majors, right? In Boston, Faze and Kerrigan, they can't like, get over the hump, right? And close it out on side Inferno. In Atlanta, Astralis does it on side Train, in the third map, and also being down, like they had to win a lot of rounds on T side because VP had the first T side drop. I don't want and to talk o- about obviously that. Obviously, man. it's different. <laughs> like it's it's different, like you know, gate patches and whatnot, different teams, and and so on and so on. And I'm not even saying, you know, but but that's the body of work that's out there. I think it's an interesting, like, sort of a discussion, right? But me personally, I would need just a little bit more of, uh, from kerrigan even though it's probably been harder for him. To achieve the successes that he has achieved but glaive just has still a lot, way more and also people forget about glaive initially he was investor in wolves which was one of the first teams to challenge NAP in like 2013 right so there's a little bit there for him too then he just was a bit crazy probably for a year or two and you know luckily got the break with astralis later on but yeah here's a my, here's a question for you yeah
1: Who's yep. the uh, who's the greater the greater player uh, or the greatest of these two players? Simple or device?
0: This is the same type of conversation. Well, same right? same type yeah, of conversation. No, well, yeah.
2: Well, 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 no, it's it's similar but not the same because you're talking about individual players. And simple is the greatest player. Device at the moment probably still is the most accomplished player.
1: Yeah. See, that's that's where I would have a difference in in terms well, of vocabulary because I, mean, I would say cool. device is the greater player, but simple's the better player S- simple's obviously the best player in terms of his skills but you can't fuck with devices majors
2: yes but it's a team game and you can't win a trophy on your own
1: yeah yeah but isn't the fact that i don't know see like that's that's where i get that's where i kind of have a right it's with like
2: me. saying dude i think like for example i think you know aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than tom brady but tom brady is the greatest ever in terms of success because he has yeah. the most rings, but it's a game that there's so many factors involved right, like right you can't win or lose on your own that's why he's my favorite guy to watch because what he can do on the field like the types of throws for example he can make the types of shots simple can make and the types of things he can do on the server that's what i want to watch like i want to watch greatness i don't want to fucking brady check it down like all the time because his defense is going to pull another stop Right, like you know, so yeah. th- I think that's the same. Like no one can argue with Device's accomplishments, but you know, everyone knows Simple is a better player. I think with
0: this angle, Jason, I, I, if Device comes back, right, and he gets to perform in a team that isn't just a like just a system, right? Because Counter Strike's definitely changed from the heyday yes. when Astralis were were domain. Um There's you know a lot more quick decision making done, the constant info plays. Uh, not saying that device can't keep up with any of that, but if he can flourish uh, in in that type of an environment and come back and be in a team where I'm not saying he has to put up more kills, but maybe he's a little bit more flashy, right? Yeah, you can start having that type of conversation. But I I think this is the thing. I still think like simple. The, the way that I look at this is there's like a baseline for what most players should be able to do. Like when we're casting or watching a guy holding an angle, if somebody steps out dry in this angle, right? Like there's always a chance someone could look at their radar or they quick switch to a thing at the wrong time. But you know, you look at this angle, you go, yeah, this guy should hit this shot, right? Like we th- that's the kind of baseline, but then you get into the absurd, the crazy, the guy who has like the really good mechanics with the pre-fire and all the great jiggles or this, that, and the other, but, the, the greats, like the reason that the zaiwu's and the Simples are on an echelon of their absolute own. They is break out of that mold. It's that freak bullshit that they just yeah. pull from absolutely nowhere that makes us all just like open our mouths and, and not quite believe what we see. Because in this situation, we understand the puzzle, right? Let's use zaiwu at Tetris, for example, with that round where he gets the ace with the P250, right? As far as this puzzle goes... This type of a round on Mirage, with where it's planted, the whole situation, the fact that he has to get all five kills, if they just took their time like and baited out the first fight and then slowly closed down, they should win that type of a round. But because of the way they played it and Zaiwu seeing all those mistakes just visualized in front of him, it just becomes bang, 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 everybody dead. Right, but they had to, they in that situation they had to give him the opportunity to pull off that greatness and even in that opportunity where a lot of players might see that they wouldn't hit all the shots like Zywood did and those type of freak bullshit rounds is what like elevates happens these guys to the great ones yeah but device has some of those when you think about it like think about that train round for example yeah the bang, one with bang, three bang. yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, who, what team was that against jaycee NRG. You remember <laughs> it was,
0: <NRG>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it was. <laughs> That's yeah, he, all right.
1: They were like the North American team I didn't really like, you know?
0: He has those freak <laughs> moments. He just doesn't get that shine, man. Like he.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: And, and maybe because these freak moments, I don't know. If, it's hard to say they're I, not I as think, impressive, but I don't know.
1: I think that's probably one of the most fun conversations that I'm excited to have when, when device eventually does get back into the server is like how like how many of the top teams at the moment... Have an opera who's just able to create some bullshit, like get aggressive and make a play and get a little bit crazy with it because I was never devices style with the op. He was much more fundamentally sound and like mistake free, but you almost have to risk the mistakes in today's counter strike to be able to have the impact the opera kind of needs to have for most yeah. for most teams.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. If we get back to the point where we are having that AWPA that you're talking about, where, you know, the risks, like we have so many high level, just like insta gibbers, right? They're, they're yeah. out there, they're jumping around the map with fucking Quake and bang, insta gib. Like if we have some of those freaks of nature just jostling, like think about the amount of gaps and stuff that opens up. Probably won't happen when teams like Cloud Nine are in the server because that forces teams to play. Like when t- a team is playing that type of Counter Strike, it forces you to play into that game a little bit, right? Until you can get control of the pace and the tempo because they just have a fucking brick wall. It is wild though. When you think about Counter-Strike and like all the tempo changes and how fast it used to be and like screaming and people running around and the pop flashes not all yeah. being perfect and everything. Like it, it did used to be crazy because there was a lot more uncertainty in, in situations. But I feel like that's a part of me and I, I know they're not consistent. And I know that there's some people who, Yanko, uh, you'll love this one. But like a, an Ents or a Furia or like some of these teams that can be really, really pacey. Like, they make some explosive and exciting Counter-Strike. And it looks a bit, like, more meatheadish because they're just, like, throwing bodies at it. But there's nuance to it with those executes. And there's, like, if you're able to beat a team with pace, like, if you're able to just go, your fucking top hold on nuke is dog shit. We're just going to run you over with a fucking top heart molly, a backside molly, a couple of flashes, a main smoke, and, you know, and Bob's your uncle, and just some really fast pacing and jumping around like fucking crazy people, then we're just going to smash you. And, like, that... We don't really talk about that element of the game, right? But that's like a mindset in Counter-Strike. Like that's that's never should be the percentage play. Just a to rush top. It doesn't feel like like if you have a full gun round. Unless on you're furious. But exactly, that's that's my point. And that's why it's like fucking <laughs> yeah. madness. But Counter-Strike, when it was a bit more loosey-goosey back in the days, along these 18 majors that we've had, or 17 up until this one would be the 18th, you could get away with more pacey Counter-Strike. Like I think about the way I used to call. I would call like these patterns because I know that how I would force the C T rotations on a map like Mirage. Like, okay, so we're gonna just condition really early on Mirage on the T side, we're gonna do a couple early A executes, whether we do these on the anti-ecos or whatever, just so that there's a bit of a bias towards our A hits. Then we're gonna do some flowy stuff in mid. I remember this is back when the conversation with the jump smokes was a big deal and the likes of Flusher and JW were against it, and now we have it to this day used by everybody. Um but the, with with this util, like I we had it so that we would throw jump smokes from spawn, and I had like three different patterns of the mid smokes. It was like a window smoke, a con smoke, and a short smoke. But I'd throw different patterns, and we'd run different executes. And they didn't. And I would snowball against better teams when we'd come overseas for like a six round, or like a five one type of start. And it's from there that I needed to learn how to play proper default Counter Strike with mid round calling to keep up because I could have the gimmicks and shit. I wish the, I need, need some more fucking gimmicks, bro. That's where I'm going with this. <laughs> well, bring, I, bring that... the gimmicks back
1: that actually kind of brings in an interesting point that i that just kind of jogged my memory i was thinking about it during the rmr's is like how many of those like because we always seem to have like a lot of upsets in the rmr's around the major cycle and like how, how much of that do you think like the teams obviously at the highest level from playing each other so much like know each other intimately well do you think there's actually like a little bit of a struggle in some of these games for the favorite opponents because these are teams they don't necessarily play against that often against? They're not used to going up it's against a the setups, game. the style of rotation.
0: Yeah, it's a different game.
1: Certainly. But like that, does that is that enough of a different game, do you think, to like cause this level of upsets to come into it?
0: In an in an environment like a major and a stage and, and stuff? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Because I think that like and it sounds kind of wrong for us to say it's a different game, but you're right. Like when the high level, the partner teams, I guess, are playing against Cloud Nine, obviously yep. kind of the exception to that. But those like high level teams who are playing more like the chess, right? Whereas these other teams, they come in, they're playing chess as well, but they're playing. And I've only been listening to chess stuff recently. I don't get it. I don't play it. It's just, it's just fan, uh, pretty fascinating to me the way they talk about it. But like the different lines or the different type of openings that you could run, like those type of things could can like in Counter-Strike I feel like can run the opponent for a loop. Like if they're expecting something and you throw something completely different or if they've prepped and they've watched your like really fast mid-take and they've gone, all right, we're going to throw this flash and peek them and you do it and you still lose. It's like, Oh fuck. Like we're the favorite in this environment. We had the counter. We knew what they were going to do and they're still just bullying us. Like, that stuff definitely has like flow on effects. And I, I swear, man, like this is the thing. The first six or seven rounds in a game, when, it, when the scoreline is always a blowout, those six or seven rounds in the game go by so quick when you're playing. Like they're over in the blink yes. of an eye. You've had oh, fucking yeah, yeah. two gun rounds in that time. Like there's some games which are close and every round's real clutchy. But in a standard game where you like, maybe you get close on the pistol, but you lose a 2v2. Then you have a force and you get two kills, but they sweep you up. Then you take the full eco. Then you get into the first gun round. You establish some map control. You're working out how they're playing. They maybe have a bit of a bonus round. Fuck, we lost that one. Okay, now we have to take another partial. Now you take another partial, get another kill or two, but they, they, you get the bomb down, whatever. Then you go into the next gun. You've only played fucking two gun rounds in all that time. And like we're sitting here as viewers going, well, this is fucking over. Like the flow of Counter-Strike. And this is another thing. Fuck, I'm going on some tangents. We need the round timeline back on the ESL broadcasts because Counter-Strike getting told as a round-by-round thing, that's fine. But the flow of a game of Counter-Strike is so important. Like... I f- well, at least I think it's important. I feel like, I like agree. patterns of rounds no, and is. pacing, yeah. and you know, I feel like we, we lose that. We don't have the round time up to explain to
2: the viewers. Kind of sucks.
1: We could bring it back. We could We can make that point. We could We could certainly bring it back.
2: And I think also, well, I, I guess where you were initially going with this pivot, Chad, was to talk about, you know, how things were back, you know, how much we've improved and how much the game has changed and all of this stuff.
0: I was just going to talk about staying in a farm stay house and having to walk into a city in the middle of Yontroping and hire a red van <laughs> when we went to the very <laughs> first, first <laughs> major and we didn't even get out of the BYOC because uh, we got put in the main stage of the thing and lost to Cadian's team. It was sad. Son but, of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But,
2: but for me what I was gonna say is I think one of the reasons for that is like the economy change was massive. Like yeah, okay. I would bring that down. I I think it's just silly when you add that to the saving and so on, like a team that's coming back on the T side, they have to win so many gun rounds. It's like not even fair, really, you know? Yeah, less break like, rounds in that. I, I yeah. guess I guess mine would be like you have max loss bonus, right? And you win a round. It doesn't go from thirty four hundred to twenty nine hundred, it goes to like 1,900, you know, or 2,400, like you, you take it down by two notches every time you win a round. Because, you know, if you like, you've lost a round, you get 2,900, but let's say it's a Dust2 game where your B guy died to a B pop, and you were more focused on doing something on mid, they got a good timing, and you save four guns, and then you get 2,900, right? Because you won the previous round and it goes back to 3400 it's like you just have like so much money when you're on the CT side right can i ask a question that that would also i think maybe get teams to try retakes maybe a little bit more because if you look at your money and you know you're going to be at 2400 even if you save it's like a bit more difficult or 1900 if you want to try the extreme option first or whatever right i think that could help a little bit with uh, all the saves all the time which are getting boring
0: yeah, I, I just wanted to ask a question from this direction with, with what you're talking about, with maybe not even like speculating on changes of the economy, but the way that the current economy has affected the game and this is for you as well here, Jason. Don't don't, don't be afraid. Yeah. Um, is is the thought that by having more rounds where it's likely more heavily invested rounds, right? I won't say buy rounds because the whole definition of what a gun round and an anti-eco and an eco used to. Oh, we need to, to be, change
1: all our vocab. We need to have a powwow with everyone, don't we?
0: Yeah, because yeah. it's all it's all changed now. Like the game has has evolved so much that these things are all a little bit different. But that that's the symptom of some of these economy changes, and it, it obviously reflects in the buy patterns and obviously the saves and and, and whatnot. But there's also like there's a there's a clear mix in certain games where a team can win a round with like two or three rifles, an SMG and a five seven, right? So the, the question I was gonna ask is, do you think that this adjustment by giving us more rounds where sizable investments can either be saved or made, have forced teams to become more creative? Because it feels like now you need more moves, like you need more strategy, more options within rounds. Like it, it feels like it's just created a, a a need for surplus in those categories that is does that make sense
2: i think it does like you know because it, it, it takes time to catch on right like you remember how forced buys were back in the day Chad. like a guy would just mid mid-deagle and, yeah. mid-deagle with a with a ct on inferno right and if he doesn't kill the guy oh unlucky and all of a sudden you're four v five i mean you remember that apex round again that has a graffiti like, that was him in overtime deciding to peak with an op, the one op that they had when he knew the guys were going to be waiting for him. Like, you know, that, that, he was already he already gave up, kind of, because he gave up a huge comeback. So you you would never see that. So we've evolved past that. And there's definitely a lot more micro moves, like, you know, with this smoke and a flash coming right behind, or a Molly flash play and, and whatnot, right? Which is, again, why I think, like, the, the reset in money should be good. Like, you should be rewarded for winning a, an important round where money is low, right? Like, y- that would encourage discipline because there's a higher punishment, there's a higher consequence for you losing two guns to a Glock Eco because you were, like, chasing Eco kills, right? So, you have you pad your stats or, or whatever. You know, it would put more pressure. I don't think we should go back to 1400. That That was ridiculous right like that doesn't make any sense but this way like you make it a little bit more interesting and also to some extent if people decide to eco more or they have to go for these moves early in rounds in order to have a chance against better buys well that would also help a little bit with time of games right like the games are so long because it's always gun round after gun round then the gun round itself it's long then you have the save then you have two saved guns and three pistols the pistols maybe try to do or whatever things don't work out and you save those two guns again it's like getting like pretty ridiculous
1: yeah i think i think i think a couple things i think save save culture and counter-strike is obviously getting a little bit a little bit out of control with how much it's happening in, in my opinion um, but I think too, I don't necessarily think that it's like to answer your question chat on if it like makes teams have a few more plans I don't think it's like causing teams to cope with like new tricks or new plans I think I think it's just forcing teams to consider every single round as a gun round So that you just kind of use the Which same kind of tricks annoying. and plans you have like you have to treat it like a gun round If you're defending against it because it can so quickly spiral out of control Yeah uh, in any kind of a situation if you're on the other side, you know You have a good chance of winning them because you know, it's so strong I think what I hate the most is this is why I always talk about whenever there's an update to the economy. I always, I think the worst thing Counter-Strike can do sometimes is, is fuck with the economy in order to try and find balancing changes. Because what this we, we like, the joke is that we still call this like the new economy, despite the fact that it's been out for like, what, three or four years now like this, this like kind so of 2018. Uh, like yeah, it's been yes, around it was so a long month after
2: I started coaching.
1: But now a <laughs> good time for you to switch. But yes. like we're we're not even really feeling like this. These past like four months, five months is like really when we've really started to feel some of like the late stage consequences of it. So look how far down the rabbit hole we've gone before we realize like this change, combined with the fact that they've been increasing the the effectiveness of SMGs and, and pistols, have now made every single round viable in terms of playing it like a gun round, and every single weapon important to save. So there is a lot less a lot less risk taking. And I mean, this is just the optimization of the game, but now we're kind of in a world where you're almost talking about what more changes to the economy can we make to fix the economy? And I feel like that's going to take us down a dangerous path again.
0: Yeah, well, I I think like the game in terms of the way it plays now, I think the the only, the the biggest issue is... The excessive saves from from some of those yeah. example games, like the Dust Two game, where I think it was Vitality. Oh my god, Outsiders, that! Right?
1: I had to work so hard in that game. Yeah, I've but, never. I've <laughs> had to work that hard to cast a game in so long.
0: That's that's the extreme outlier in the sense of yeah. this is how bad it can get, and then you have the other side of the like super fast games that are just like real biffy and in the in your face, right? And you have those two kind of comparisons right there. And here's the thing, like in the way the game is it can be played, right? It doesn't have to be played. People can play the game whichever they they want, but a way that is, you know, by the book or, or ABC Counter-Strike or percentages, whatever you want to, however you want to frame it, from that angle, like, the play that they're making by going for those type of saves is is the right play. And that factors back yes. into what you were saying, Jason, that every round is equally as important. So why would I give up all these goodies right now when I can try again next round and have a fresh start and a clean slate? Like, it makes sense. But I think what we need to try and do is work out different ways to either, like like, to dissuade this type of behavior or at least incentivize other types of behavior, right? So, like... we need to
1: incentivize going for retakes more or decentivize saving as much, right? When you think about the
0: bomb bomb change on Inferno, for example, right? Now, this is the thing. We'd need to do some form of a study on the map and take a look at, like, late-round situations. Have there been more kills or not with the bomb radius change? comparatively, right? Because that change forces you significantly further away from the bomb sites depending on where you've planted, which in theory could activate the CTs to be closer on exit to do more damage financially, which would then put emphasis and and excitement on a different facet of the round, right? It would bring more light to the economy discussion because of how much they're punishing and then playing more forward. Now, like I said, we would need to do a study statistically to see if that has been the case, or maybe that's still something that is yet to happen with these changes, but is that a way, right? This is the thing, we're thinking of ways, and, and I'm with you, changing the economy is a very slippery slope. You think about the small changes that we, we do make or have made and the massive ramifications that they've eventually had. No one solves the puzzle immediately. Nobody understands how something is gonna be fully and truly used immediately we start flirting with the different ideas of what was possible and how it could be implemented. I think the most recent example that people should look at is the dropping of nades, which is getting refined and tweaked and made better and better in a whole different bunch of ways, right? Teams are using it on different maps in unique ways, right? And and we're still learning and seeing that evolving. So with this type of situation, if the question that we're wanting to answer is how do we minimize saving because i don't think we can maximize going for all retakes it just wouldn't it, it wouldn't make sense in all the scenarios right No. Now how can we how can we make the end of a round more active in theory so like if you know and and this is one of the things this is one of the factors there was like that cloud nine retake i think it was against phase right uh and, and rops was in boiler right and FaZe were in the site, and they had executed in B, and the bomb was down, everything was good, and Cloud9 were coming for the retake, and they made no noise, and in this situation, traditionally, Cloud9 would be saving, they were down a man, they wouldn't go for the retake, but they were already in ruins, and they were close CT, so they just waited for an unforced error, and then they found the unforced error, and Rops wasn't in a position to rotate there in time and win the round, they did something a little bit more unorthodox. Well, the thing is, with that, with those changes, I feel like those bomb changes could have played in. Because if you're cloud nine yeah. at that point of the game, you know you can hang around. They have to exit. They can't just stay anywhere close. So if you stay close, maybe they're overstep and start looking for space to start saving. And then they slip up and you find that kill and you're back in. So like, I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm saying, is there an answer that is outside the box of just changing the economy into changing this part of the game so it's more enjoyable? I feel like that's the angle we should be looking at with this.
1: I have I have two ideas. One I think was brought up by, by by someone else. I think it was either actually you and Matt or was it Matt and Getright on Twitter during Pro League or during the RMR saying if like the CT side saves you only get like a percentage a percentage of the loss bonus. Did you hear that one at all or am I just making a that up? A percentage of the
0: loss bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Yeah. I, yeah, but I, I guess as well. Then that like that that changes what the economy of though. That, does that, that have? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I think the other one I, I just kind of popped into my head while you were while you were talking, and so this might be laughable and not even worth discussing in any way. Um, but it just just came to me was what if you what if you like uh, this kind of messes with the economy. What if you increase the kill reward after after a round end after like a bomb explosion, or after, like the six seconds of a round timer. What if you like tripled it? or quadrupled it and said if you get one of these kills instead of $300 you're getting $1200. So it'd actually make it worth it to go for some of those kills in different situations.
0: That'd be one way to do it. Like you are kind of putting a bounty on their heads regardless, right? You can't yep, win the and round saying, but you can still You can't
1: win, there. maybe you set up for exits, you get a little bit more money. Oh, you need, you know, $800 to really drop your teammate that M4. How tantalizing is that going into round 14, you know, like if you've made that. I wonder if that would increase the motivation to maybe even if you're going to save Stick around and go for the kills for the money, or to, to, you know, obviously to just set up for more exits.
0: That's interesting. I wonder if you could do something where, like, because I think if the bomb goes off and the T's exit and you kill them, they don't, it's not them dying after time, right? Because the round's already expired? Yep. Okay. So, like, imagine if that mechanism wasn't in place. Like, you could kill T's as the bomb went off, which would then force them to start exploring for safe places to save, like their rifles at the end of a round earlier, right? It would make yeah. them more active, which might open up more gaps for CTs to go and Because the thing is, the reason we talk about some of these scenarios, like be on Dust Two, is because once you're in, you don't really have to leave, right? Like, you, if you're on enough HP, you just go over towards Car, and you can live at Car when the bomb. That's goes
1: absurd. Off. Yeah, have that one. Right? Is, that one's fucking insane.
0: So, so if we can incentivize the need to start looking for an escape to the site, because right now the objective is taking the site, right? But if we can look for a way to incentivize the need to leave the site after you... To s- leave
1: earlier,
2: yeah. It might open the opportunity for more retakes. I mean, you can also just potentially, let's say, mark an area in the site where you just take 100 damage. I mean, if you're in the site when the bomb goes off. So that's it's like way, more
0: Valorant, right? I don't know. I've never played I it. I think but, it's more val. I think if you're caught in the radius of the Valorant thing, you die
2: regardless. I think. Right? So it forces you to, like, go out. But... Uh, it, this is also kind of fucked because imagine if you're winning a ct and the t's are losing and they're finally like get a good round in right and you know the cts don't want to retake but then the t's have to push out just to stay alive even though they won the round easy on paper and then you have guys coming through window there's just an op sitting in ct like to get an easy kill there and there's guys posted outside tunnels and then you know you're 5-0 down you won your first gun round and then you lost all your players or maybe you have one guy left alive who isn't the operator and then you go into a reset round with you know everyone having to rebuy and probably not having an op like that would suck like why are you punishing the team that well but that it would change the di- so, it would change
0: the dynamic of the game though right like because you're yeah. looking at that with the confines of how it is is now but like what we're saying because that would now become a whole part of the game yeah. Like it would it would become a whole new thing as like okay boys we've taken all this space maybe we need to save one yeah. smoke so we can you know smoke and maybe one guy stay on the site and three of us will try and get out or some shit like I don't I don't know like I'm just trying to flirt with different ideas of, of, of how we could keep because a minute changing and the incentive seconds, structure so yeah. that
1: people actually are motivated to do something and be active in the final you know when you're potentially just trying to save
0: then there'd be less dead moments right yeah. and it would add it would add more potential strategy to the game now whether or not it would play out in a positive or negative way i don't know um there's definitely a lot of situations like you're talking about there Janka, that are that are more than possible and, and probably will happen but if like that's acknowledged this is because this is what i do like i know a lot of people get up in arms about this and the pros will do it every single time and i think this is their way of saying hey we need a change but they don't vocalize it in that way people complain about something being um overpowered right like at the moment it's the silenced m 4 before it was the krieg and the org and then you know back was the cz 75 and the tech 9 got nerfed and the revolver doesn't come into this conversation because that was just a fucking meme but like there's things that get to like they're in the height of their power at one point in the game and that weapon helps define the way the game is approached but people like for one reason or another do not like the reason, right, or don't like the outcome of how that is affecting the game. Like, remember when Tech Nines or 5, don't 7, like
1: change in general.
0: That's true, true as well. But it's like when, when, like when the T side, when we had Kriegs, right, on the T side, it was just fucking rock and sock and robots just coming out and bopping people. Like T side, there would just yep. be a couple of good flashes, and if you had good aimers, you just run into space and you would just drill some heads because you were so confident in this weapon at all ranges, right? And that dictated that T sides. I don't know. I guess we'd have to check the stats again. Would probably have been stronger back then than what they are now, where the silence them for. But this is the meta we're in. Like that's the way. If I was a player, I would look at it. Um, but as a pundit or someone looking at the broader game, like we are, we can say, is this the type of gameplay that we enjoy right now? Right. Because another thing that's playing into the save conversation, Yanko, that you're bringing up is the CTs. If they keep two players alive and they're on max loss bonus or well near max loss bonus, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. if, if they're getting 2,900 into the next round as loss bonus, just save two M4s and you can drop two more M4s, you can have four M4s. So is, is that an issue, right? Is the fact that, right, on that type of a loss bonus round, the players can still have four M4s, with only two guys staying alive, right? And then they probably got nades on a couple of them as well and one guy with an MP9. Does that mean that the cost of this M4 should go up? So it's no lo- it's not attainable. It, it's, it let's, if you just made it 3K, if you took it from 2.9 to 3K, then with that loss bonus at the end of that round, unless you got a kill or saved an extra 100 bucks, you wouldn't be able to drop that rifle. Like that kind of middle ground
2: between the two loss bonuses is maybe a thought right there on the on the M4 price, We're, right? I think we've gone down the rabbit hole yeah, that's, with uh, this one. Because <laughs> it's also the problem right now you have to talk about, well, what about the 95% of the player base, which is casual players, you know, who are going for it every time? And sure. why are you punishing them and making them play with more Famas instead of M4s, right? So... Again, like, this is, like, where Jason, like, every time with the economy, it's fucking, like, you have to be super, not careful, effect, but, maybe. yeah, yeah, the butterfly effect, exactly.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things to consider, but we've almost done, well, we've almost done an hour and 45 minute slides. Yeah. So this no, one's actually flown by. I, w- I wanted to get into like fun anecdotes yeah. about our first majors and you know like that we're going into the we can
2: do that we can but... do
1: that next week we can do that yeah that time. and, and also
2: i i know chad because you wanted to to not discuss what happened at flow fire league and uh, dream hack uh,
0: rotterdam esl challenger, challenger. Yeah, esl yeah.
2: challenger rotterdam so we'll we'll have to go back to that uh, in the next one <laughs>
0: I don't know, man. I don't. I, I don't feel like we always need to be the like we're on top of the recent news type of guys. <laughs> no, sometimes I'm just like, you because I know you don't give a fuck about those tournaments. Sometimes you I just want to talk about some fun point. stuff, man. I wanted like it's and I watch those events. I my, look here's you want some sad news? I'm in that like fantasy league on HLTV with the uh, some of the other talent, right? And I we have a group chat on Twitter, but I don't know. People who know me know that I'm really bad at like reading things and replying. It's just like I'm just not a very good adult, right? Like that's uh. Well, you sorry. have to
1: at this stage in, in your life, you gotta prioritize the different messages messaging things you're involved in, you know? But There's sometimes
0: like I'm so lethargic as a human being, I literally just don't want to move because I'm a slug. But um, like anyway, I, I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but uh fuck, where was I going? What was I talking Fanta- about? Fantasy it, oh, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. better so responding messages. I didn't I didn't read the group and and they all had like a a gentlemanly agreement not to do the fantasy team uh, for those two events, uh, because I guess they did. They didn't want to play it, right? Um, so they all agreed not to. So I played it, and I only found out when I was doing HRTV confirmed with Prof the other night when he mentioned it. I was like, "Oh shit!" Well, I'm owning it right now. Like, I came top one percent with my fantasy team. In five I think I came like forty fifth. Wait, I don't know where it, I came twenty fifth in the world out of almost eight thousand people. Right, so I got max points for that. And then the other one, the Rotterdam one, I got was like top fourteen percent. So I got a shitload. Of, so I'm top of the ladder now, but it doesn't fucking count because I didn't realize we weren't playing it. So like, I'm a bit sad. I, I you know, I didn't want to talk need, about those events. I need, <laughs> I
1: need, I need, I need HLTV to create a better fantasy system, and then we can run the world. Then we can. Speaking as an American, we can create a billion dollar industry off Counter Strike fantasy. We need if to they, do
0: something with the Shadow GG or like something like that, top down, where it like actually plays out a match of some variety right there needs to be an interactive part to the fantasy um because that's that, easy
1: i know of, i know of multiple companies doing that already chatty i got well, then you. we just need to work out like I'll the mechanisms
0: of how to make all of that possible here we might need to involve ai but like you probably could do it where it could simulate matches just like imagine if you took every simple demo from a year on dust 2 like this thing had access to the database and the ai like you my team was I went simple as the star player, but then I had like a couple of like guys that were less expensive because my budget was pretty low. I had I don't know fucking chopper in game leading. I had siren as a site anchor. I spent a little bit more money. I got fucking yukinder and I don't know crad right. And it took the took like the last twenty demos from all of those players or whatever on those maps and then averaged out their performances and whether and it plays out like some rounds against your opponent. We need a okay. maybe someone who knows AI can formulate that because then and then if you win, like you make money in like little mini tournaments. That's the type of fantasy shit that I'd be looking to do because the fantasy stuff at the moment is uh, predicting how well they're about to do at this event, right? Uh, I think that's
1: yeah, yeah. It's 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 very basic. Yeah, very I want
0: basic. someone to get a whole AI out and recreate the internet. Actually, that's that's what I'm <laughs> looking for. Amen, cool. brother. I'll get right on that. All right, boys, we're done. <laughs> I
1: think we're
0: done. All right. we're done. Let's say goodbye. GGS. Bye. Goodbye.